Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Jules, host and creator of Our Story, Our Voice. I am recording live straight out of my apartment, <laughs> straight out of Long Beach. Just joking. How are you all doing? Uh, if you are a first-time listener, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, I'm waving hi to you all and sending you all kisses. Um, so, do we survive our week? It's getting hotter out there. Summer is definitely in full mode. Uh, before I get started into today's episode, um, I wanted to share something that I decided to do for myself. Um, so, I don't know if you all know, but um, if you have curly hair, you always want straight hair. It's a given. As a curly person myself, I would often have dreams that I had straight hair and my surprise all the time in the next morning was I didn't. I have really curly, poofy, frizzy hair. All through high school, I had like really big hair. It was just... The joke was that if I would cut my hair, I would run a lot faster, and um, I never cut it up, up until I got into college. And people who have straight hair, they always want curly hair because they feel that when you have all that volume and you're able to style it different and when you have ways, it just looks nice. So neither party is happy. Well, I've always had curly hair. Ever since, ever since I could remember. And I've done so many blowouts on my hair. I've ironed my hair with the iron. Thank God for flat irons now. And it just never comes out straight. And I guess I'm never really going to have that because, I mean, I'm a curly person. Unless, you know, I really um, permanently do it. So... In my 20s, I had done a relaxer and all my hair, my hair fell out and it was horrible. I was, it was like the worst thing ever. And so ever since then, I've always been like skeptic about doing anything. And there's so many new products out there now um, for people who want to have their hair straight. And there's a lot much, there's much more uh, safer um there's a lot more safer um, products and chemicals that you could actually, that will actually really help your hair, believe it or not. Crazy enough to, to say that. So long story short, um, a coworker of mine who's a really curly person, her hair is really curly. I think her hair is as curly as, I think her hair was as curly, her hair is as curly as how mine was when I was in my 20s. I've gotten older and I've, I still have curls, but on a good day, my hair looks good. And, you know, when my hair is pretty manageable, manageable. So anyhow, to say the least, I had seen my coworker a few times through Zoom and I asked her, you know, oh, you, um, you flat ironed it. It looks really good. And how did you get it that straight? And she just smiled and she said, it's a carotene treatment. And I said, what is that? I had heard of it, but I had never thought about doing it only because 
you know, of my bad experience. And so she swears up and down that it's been really great that her hair actually um, has grown because of the quarantine treatment. And um, so she went ahead and she got it. And I'm like, wow, it looks really good. So I went and I got a quarantine treatment. Yes, I have, I mean, I have, I have straight hair. It doesn't mean that my hair is going to be like super duper straight, but it's definitely less frizzy, way less frizzy. If I flat iron, if I use the straightener, my hair looks really straight. And you know what's the funny thing? The funny thing is that I always thought I had a lot of hair because my curly hair makes my hair look poofy. And with all the frizz, it just looks like I have a ton of hair. But, you know, I don't. I'm not bald, but I don't have a lot of hair. And, and I'm like, holy shit, how, how do I style it? And I think that's why girls with straight hair always want curly hair because like it's just straight and curly hair could be all like I don't know I'm I'm really I'm enjoying it I don't regret it I'm loving it because it's something that I've always wanted and I'm actually thinking of getting a bob you know to kind of like go with my new hair so I'm really excited about that and I found a really good um, person to cut my hair and so right now the old Julia that some of you may know um, used to have curly hair and now it's like straight. So it's a dream come true. <laughs> and to say all of that kind, kind of really walks me through. It's, it's a good segue to, um, to the, the topic of the podcast. And I hope I'm able to you know, carry this conversation and I'm going to try really hard to try to say everything under the a certain amount of time that I have. I don't want to go over the 30 minutes. And so wish me luck. So for today's episode, um, because I was getting my hair done and I went from curly to straight, I started to think and I, you know, I would often tell my mom, you know, like, why do I have curly hair? Um, when my grandmother, which is her mom, um, she was, um, she was a Guatem, something like that. She, she was some type of, um, native Indian, native Indian, um, from, I'm probably, I'm probably saying those two things wrong, so I apologize. But she was, my grandmother was full Indian from Mexico. I believe she was like the Nakwaks or something like that. Can't even say it. And um, the story was that my grandmother had really straight, beautiful indigenous hair all the way up to the floor, just beautiful. And my mom had really curly hair, but my aunt, which is her sister, had really straight hair and I always wonder like why why did we have why do we have curly hair if I look very indigenous you know I look like my grandmother only that my hair is curly and my mom told me she goes well it's because your grandfather he has a lot more European in him you know a lot more Spanish my grandfather's my mom's dad 
he had like green eyes, um, you know, curly hair. And we all know that um, Spain colonialized Mexico um, and there was a lot of mixing in, you know, integration of the Spaniards and the indigenous women and they created these beautiful babies. And so that's how, you know, um, myself was created. So when we do that, um, when you do that test to see, you know, your, like your heritage blood or, you know, what, what do you have more in your, in your blood? Um, and we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of European blood in our family. And we also have a lot of, um, indigenous blood in our family. And so to say that, um, when I, right now that I have my hair straight, I started thinking about that, you know, um, what is colonialism? Um, colonialism is defined as a controlled by one power over a dependent area or people. It occurs when one nation subjugates another, conquering its population and exploiting it, often while forcing its own language and culture values upon its people. So when you go to Mexico, when I went to Mexico City, you obviously, obviously see how Spain colonialized Mexico. You still see the, the pyramids and you see a lot of the, you see a mixture, right? You see a lot of the, the native um, indigenous, indigenous from Mexico walking around, they're really small. And then you see the taller ones, which that's the mixture of the Spanish with the indigenous from Mexico. And you see how Spain really went there and and just really forced themselves into that into that country and completely completely removed the culture of the of the um, indigenous from Mexico indigenous from Mexico to more of the Spanish. That's why um, Mexico is huge with Catholic. That's a that's a Spanish, um, you know, tradition or culture. And so when you often hear stories like, oh, this very old antiquated church, um, this Catholic church, when the Virgin Mary statue broke, there was an, an Aztec um, god or an Aztec statue or, or little um, figurine inside of the Virgin Mary um, I'm not surprised because, you know, when you have someone like the Spaniards going into um, Mexico and, you know, pretty much stripping them from their, from their own native beliefs and imposing their own culture, then the natives were like, we're still going to pray to our gods who we believe, we don't believe in this whole Catholic stuff. And we're going to, um, we're, 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 we're going to build this Virgin Mary that they want us to believe in, 
but we're going to put some of our little twist in it. And so when you hear things like that, it's it was because of that, that the indigenous were still trying to, like, we're going to pray to all these, to all these, um, you know, Virgin Marys and, and to all these saints, but little do they know that a lot of their own beliefs were carved into these saints. And when I, when I heard that and I learned that and I'm like, that makes sense, you know, because when you do that and you completely strip people from, from their own beliefs, from their culture, it's going to affect them. And that becomes a generational trauma and displacement. And that's so important because that, that, that's like generations and generations of trauma that keeps moving forward all because a country like Spain went into Mexico and colonized them and stripped them from their beliefs. When I went to Mexico City, I went to um, to the most, um, to the Basilica, which is um, the most famous Catholic church in Mexico City. And um, I went in, I, so they have the old um, original church. I think that was built like in 16 or 1700, I think. I could be wrong about that. Um, but the church now, it's like tilting and it's sinking in. And um, the myth story is, is that um, the Spaniards shared a story and they said that an indigenous person, forgot his name, had a vision of the Virgin Mary. And so that story has been carried on for, for years, which really brought and helped um, the Spaniards in Mexico to really hop on the Catholic Church belief. And that was because one of their own kind supposedly had had a vision and that the Virgin Mary went and talked to him and told him that um, their their new guide or the person that they should be praying to is um, the Catholic Church, you know, or the Virgin Mary. And so, I think it's I, I forgot the the name of the of the in of the indigeno that saw the Virgin Mary. And so, um, so now here we are in twenty twenty three. And we are in a very um, high alert climate with everything that's going on in the country about, you know, um, cultural wars and, um, you know, critical race theory. Um, it's the boogeyman and it's here to tell people that, that they're sinners and that they're bad for what they did. It's true. They are. Critical race theory is really just... An awareness of history for us to not forget and so we don't have to repeat that's really what critical race theory is in a nutshell because that's how I understand it and so we're starting to hear a lot about decolonizing communities decolonizing yourself from American traditions decolonizing yourselves from from the traditions of the Spaniards and, and from European, because they came here with the intentions of opposing their own beliefs and their own cultures and completely destroyed um, all of the Native American, all of the natives. Um, 
indigenous from from these lands where we where we are currently sitting in you know wherever you're sitting in it was it was managed and run it was indigenous who walked around those lands so you know when you have time google and see what what tribe lived where your where your home was built and give it some Give it some praise, acknowledgement, acknowledge that we are living in blood, in lands that were taken, you know? And so, um, so there's a huge movement right now about decolonizing um, American ways, decolonizing um, the beliefs of the Europeans. And um, what is that? What is decolonization of the community? Well, decolonization of the community is a reclaimed historical term that is related to, but not different from social justice. It is a process of thoughtfully removing the leftover impacts of oppression. Uh, communities can decolonize, deconstructing hierarchies and other structures that support the discriminatory status quo. For example, I, I often hear, um, or I've heard through conversations from my colleagues and, and from, you know, people who I sometimes come across and I heard, and I have heard state, I have heard insensitive statements and no, it's not that our society is so sensitive and our society can't take a joke. That's not a joke when you're making fun of someone's oppressed race or oppressed communities. That's not funny. So anyhow, I digress. Um, some statements that I have heard um, has been to make a point of my earlier um, conversation and segue to this is that um, when they when you hear statements like, oh, you know, slavery happened such a long time ago. Why can't people just like let that go and just move forward? Just, you know, just let it go and just move forward. You're not there anymore. You're not, you're not a slave anymore. When I'm hearing that, I'm like, what? Excuse my language, but I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? That was in the past. Don't worry about it. You know, just get over it. No, 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 no. Colonization was the birth of racism. That's what it was. For Europe to, Europe, Europe and Spain has some balls. For them to come out and be like, we are better because we're white and, and we're superior than all these people who are walking around, loving the lands, you know, praying, praying to the sun and praying to God knows what. They're animals. And our ways are better, and we're going to humanize them by imposing our beliefs on people. Let me tell you something. If we were to go to Europe, or if I was to go to Europe and I was to be like, I'm going to walk into your house and be like, no, you're not going to play English music. I want you to play Spanish music. I want you to play rancheras and banda. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, imagine if we did that. Hell no. But then some would say, but America does do that. We do go out, we do go to other countries and we're colonizers. You know, we go out to, 
to you know the golf and and all of you know um like the um all those other countries where we were fighting that that war and are we colonizers maybe we are because i mean this is what this country was founded on and so right now just to say all of that um currently right now there's a movement about decolonizing and and how do you engage in decolonization? How does that look like? Is it going out there and protest and fight and, and, and defend every conversation that doesn't sound right? No, of course not. I'm not going to promote um, violence. I'm not going to promote people to go out and do things that they may not be comfortable with. Like, I'm not going to do that because you can do that. And so how is that going to look like? Like, how do you engage in decolonization? And I think that I have slowly started that process for myself because I, I feel it, you know? Um, and I, again, I can only speak for my own, for my own culture. You know, when we come, when, when my parents came to this country, um, they came to this country to give, to give their families a better life, right? Because they heard great things about America and I have been very blessed and I have, and I am very privileged to be, to have the right to vote, have the right to go and protest. I have all, I have all the rights, but because I look the way that I do, um, I am immediately Sub subconsciously, my rights are taken away because of the color of my skin. And so, if you are Black, Latino, Hispano, Indigenous, or Indigeno, or you're from a different country, um, immediately, you, you come to this country and you feel the oppression because m my parents felt that way. They felt that they they had to live under the radar, you know, not to make too much noise, but to make enough noise to be able to feed their family, but raise their family with fear, raise their family thinking that we have to, we have to kiss this, this American floor because we were let, because we were let in. And I've learned throughout the years and, you know, one of my brothers, who's a huge advocate, a huge voice, he's been he's been trying to decolonize this country for years. He even fought in wars. So my brother has been the frontrunner of this decolonization for years, for years. But just because I wasn't on board at the time, because when you're that young, you don't know that you could have a voice. You don't know. And I'm speaking for myself. You know, I, I didn't feel confident. I felt insecure. I felt scared. And that's because of us being colonized and our countries letting us know that the way that we look and the way that we sound, it's wrong. And that people who are above us are, are people from European descent. And we don't belong in certain spaces. And I have to say that that although that is that is the message that is being put out there, but we do belong. 
and this is where the this is where the decolonization comes in, you know, taking control of of your beliefs, taking control of you knowing that you belong here, taking control of understanding how both your cultures were mixed, how the how the Mexicanismo happened, right? How did how did Mexicanismo Mexicans were created? We're a mixture of indigenous and Spanish and Spanish. We're a mixture. And so therefore, we are Mexicanos. You could deny the Spanish as much as you want, but but the blood is there. The blood is already there. We are already a mix. We are a mix of so many things. There's there's no changing that. This is this is me saying this. And so, what is a decolonization of the community? What is that? How do you engage in decolonization? What can you do? Well, read the cause to action. I guess there is a call to action to decolonization. We don't have time for all of that here. Visit a friendship center. I guess there's different decolonization centers where you can go and learn kind of like the, um, when you want to learn about like the Holocaust, you go to that one museum. I can't think of the name of it right now. Please forgive me. Um, you know, educate yourself, take a course or a workshop on, on indigenous people and, and the history of the culture. You know, understand, acknowledge the lands where you're at. You know, that's how you decolonize, you know, respect the culture. Don't steal from the culture. Um, form a group within your work team to talk more about indigenous issues. And I'm so proud of the work that I do at my job because that that is exactly what we do. We acknowledge the lands where we're in. We even, um, my job even has a link where if you want to, um, donate a small percentage to the land that we were that were taken away from the indigenous. You're able to do that, you know, to respect. That's how you start decolonizing, where you start giving back of these lands that that were stripped from from the uh, from the indigenous people, and and by doing that, you know, we're we're truly truly closing that that wealth gap. If everyone was to do that, and there's just so much more. You know, and like I said, um, I don't even have the time to cover everything, but all of that came to play because, you know, my hair is curly, which is a part of my colonization that took place within my family's um, lineage, right? Because we're a mixture of indigenous and um, indigenous and Spanish. And so my curly hair comes from the Spaniard side. You know, I, I can't take it away. I could do a, I'm always going to have it. You know, once this, once this um, perm, or, you know, I guess it's a perm, once this treatment leaves my hair, I'm always going to have curly hair. Always. Because it's part of me. You know, but if I acknowledge it and I embrace my indigenous, I guess it's the one that was suppressed. It's the one that was trying to be suppressed, that was suppressed. And, you know, I can't run away from it. I'm dark skinned. You know, I look like my grandmother. The only difference is that I have curly hair. You know, my grandmother, um, her parents were indigenous. So my grandmother was full blood 
indigenous and her parents spoke the Nahuatl language. And they never, um, they never um, taught my grandmother to speak their language because they were so afraid of how she would get treated. And this is where the, this is where the colonization comes in, where they really made indigenous people feel afraid because they were like, you know, treated so badly. You know, uh, a dog was treated better, put it that way. And so because I didn't want my grandmother, my grandmother to go through such hard times, she never learned the language. But my, my great-grandparents knew their language and Spanish. And so, you know, my mom, you know, she often, um, she often talks about that. And you just, you just, um, you know, it's just really strange because, um, yeah, it, it's just strange because my, my mom, you could tell that she would have wanted to have learned um, her her grandparents' language, but they would tell her, no, you know, if you know the language, they will, they will mistreat you. So we're trying to save you from that harm. And so um, hopefully this conversation has enlightened you. And again, you know, don't stop learning and continue to to educate your little ones and just teach them as much as you can. And with that, um, I'll let you all go and you all have a great week. Um, episodes drop every Monday. And um, yeah, I think that's that's about it. I'm trying to find the theme music to, to this stupid podcast. That's what I'm trying to do right now. You might just get a commercial or something. Um, all right, here we go. I found it. All right. Bye. Ah, I'm telling you, this technology just really annoys me. Here we go.